Hello, and welcome to In Bed With Books, the podcast where we talk about smutty fantasy with each other and with you. My name is Melissa. And I'm Bethany. And where else can you find us, Bethany? You can find us in a few places. On our website, inbedwithbookspod.com, and also on Instagram at inbedwithbookspod. We also have a Discord, which you can follow in the link in our bio. And then if you go to the description box below, check out those links and you can find us anywhere else. And uh, what are we talking about today, Melissa? Um, let's find out. All right. We are meeting you at the tail end of Scorpio season. Yes. And we were trying to think of like, oh, it's like a fun thing to talk about, right? And we were like, let's talk death. about death. Yeah. <laughs> um, it feels fitting. And yeah. at tail end, I think, I think this is, this should be airing like on the 21st. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which is, I want to say like the very, very last day of Scorpio season. Yeah. So basically, I am I am double checking that just in case. But let's see here. Um, not a promo, but this is my honeycomb almanac, which is like a planner with all of the like, uh, planetary. Yeah, all the movements, all of the ingresses, aspects. I love. Yes, if this will be on, on the last day of uh, Scorpio, so Sagittarius is going to start uh like to 1 1 a.m on the 22nd so okay just in the Perfect. time yeah yeah um so stuff. melissa give us a brief like idea of what scorpio and death have to do with each other for those of us who don't know so there's it, it depends on I'm coming from a Hellenistic, like a traditional Hellenistic astrology standpoint. So I know that a lot of modern astrologers look at the houses in a natal chart as like Aries is the first house and it goes around until like you get to Pisces in the 12th house. And so for them, Scorpio is pertaining to death because it's like uh, the eighth house, which is, uh, you know. The house of death other people's money loans uh debt but also death and okay so for me with the holistic like traditional astrology it's less having to do with that and it's more that scorpio likes dark gothic shit they like to like go in the dredges so scorpio is a water sign oddly enough but when you look at the other two water signs, which are Pisces and... Cancer. Hold on a second. Huh? Cancer. Cancer. Thank you. I was like, it's another, like, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, They're very soft. They're very sweet. So they're like a river or like, you know, a nice pond or something. And Scorpio is like a hot spring or a hot tub set to, like, max. It is cleansing in like a gross way in like a fun but gross way in like a like a crucible I love I always use that I use that like metaphor all the time but like it's it steams out it's like it's forcing you to get through and talk to talk about shit you know right right so 
So at that point, um, sorry, I'm just gonna whip this out again. Mm -hmm. um, with the sun there, it's just like amplifying those vibes. And so it's like, of course, Halloween falls during Scorpio season. Yeah. Because we all like to dress up and we like to get scary. And even people like, I don't like horror, but yeah. I like Halloween. Yeah. Because you just get, it's just the vibe when it's happening. Yeah. Um, I was watching an episode of the astrology podcast where uh, they talked to the founder of CoStar uh-huh which i thought was a really good interview by the way i had my reservations about co-star because of like some stuff that i had seen it put out and everything but they were really awesome about just fully acknowledging that stuff but they were also like if you see things that come out that are edgier or that are darker or sometimes even gross that's me being like the scorpio asshole not sh they don't say asshole but like asshole that i am yeah. I want people to think about this stuff because we should be thinking about this stuff. And that is such like a Scorpio thing is to think about things that make you uncomfortable. Right. Okay. Yeah, to dredge that shit up. Yeah. I love that. I, I think like another good metaphor for using like the water element is like a trench. Mm -hmm. Like the shit at the bottom of a trench is fucking terrifying. Yeah. That's Scorpio. Okay. So Scorpio season at an end literally and we're going to end it with talking about death scenes mm -hmm. in the books that we've read and so thank you for that introduction because i have always been kind of like scorpio has always been kind of mysterious to me um, they like to be mysterious yeah exactly yeah um because a lot of scorpios i know don't seem like that mm -hmm. but that's because it's a secret right like yes. it's kind of like yeah behind this uh not a facade but like just behind many layers I think layers yeah, yeah. like boundaries and everything I do think part of it is because Scorpio likes to deal in things that you don't just kind of talk about in normal conversation mm -hmm. they aren't exactly small talkers right um unless you're like small talk includes really like deep philosophical let's think about the purpose of like life and death and you can't like they always have to bring in the shadow side of things right and so I think that's like like not everyone is open to that conversation yeah and I feel like they know that you know yeah 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 so so our favorite death scenes and this yes. will be exciting don't worry this isn't gonna be it's mostly depressing. all of the, the deaths that have like tried to uh, like traumatized us so yes <laughs> so here we go yes naturally Strap first in. on the list is Ansel so yeah we only talk about him every single season yeah oh I know everything goes back to Ansel yeah uh, do we want to like do catch up or anything or yeah, I feel like Should we just go straight up. into it. Okay. Yeah. How's life? Life is good. Um, I'm in bed because that feels Ooh. like fitting mm -hmm. as we are in bed with books podcast. And mm -hmm. um mainly because um if Milo wants to cook, he can. And if he wants to play guitar, he can, because now we have a room with a door. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And I'm and I'm totally fine with like I got my setup and I'm comfortable in my bed. So so that's what I've been doing. We've been just unpacking and enjoying the weekend and kind of walking around the neighborhood, which has been fun. Nice. But uh yeah. Some of those About- park pictures that you've posted, just absolutely gorgeous. They remind it's- me of, of um uh What's the, there's the park that Taylin actually lived next to and she lived in London. That was like next to Baker Street. Ooh, yeah. And it was, it had like winding Over by Regents. Yes, Regents Park. (laughs) Yeah, Regents Park. Yeah, Yeah, Regents Park is like huge. And it's gorgeous. Oh, it's gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous, yeah. Um, Um, That's what your park reminds me of. Yeah, that's funny because it's actually a really small park. And I was like, that was like, really the, nice. that was like the park, right? Yeah, that was fair. nice because then I went, cause then you just like walk down that little thing and then to your right is this like library and my, my library is fucking adorable. It's like, oh my God. um, a brick building with like sold pillars and shit. And then you like walk in and it's like really small and cute and I was just like has like the high ceilings like it's like this old building and I was just like holy it was funny because we're we're driving driving literally over to like go sign go get our keys like that morning and I hadn't noticed but I like look over and I'm like and Milo's like what like he I I genuinely freaked him out and I was like I was just like too cute so I got my library card and hell yeah yeah yeah, so I've just been, it just feels, still feels kind of surreal, and yeah, but we're excited. We're starting to kind of feel like real people again. Yeah, the progress about, photos are adorable. Yeah. How about you? What's up with you? Um, Let's see, I got a slight promotion with one of my clients, yes, yes which is exciting. I don't want to give a lot of details yet, mostly because we haven't hammered out the details. Yeah. But it's uh it's gonna be nice. So um let's see what else. Um I've been making this pumpkin shake mm-hmm. pretty much every day for the last week because it's so delicious. Um it's just pumpkin, frozen bananas, almond butter, almond milk, and spices. Yeah. Oh, that sounds amazing. It's so I good. I'm all, so like deep in fall. I have all I of those things. I should eat. I yeah. should make one. I, uh, it is like a quarter cup of pumpkin. Mm-hmm. So a quarter cup of pumpkin plus two bananas. And then the other measurements are just whatever you want. Nice. Just feel it out. Yeah. Um. Let's see here. What else? What else? I'm voting. So by the time this comes out, that will be late news. But I hope everyone got out and voted because what a time to be alive (laughs) just (laughs) sarcastic yeah (laughs) yeah exactly um yeah i mean that's about it yeah jake down here with me yes he's sleeping on his bed that i threw under my desk and i'm just about to lift my chair a little bit so I'm a little bit slightly taller yeah I yep there we go bunny I don't know where she is she's somewhere 
but my cats don't know boundaries so if there's a door closed they like can't handle it like they think they should just have access to everyone and every thing at once yeah now I'm like now there's a door and so it was like then they like scratch but she's literally sitting in front of the door staring at it and baby is maybe is probably on the other side of the door staring at it in fact I can see her shadow pacing as we speak (laughs) why you guys Um, are weird also so my former roommates got another kitten did they yes and I so they sent me pictures I'll show you later and I went to my mom and I was like they got another cat and I didn't say who it was but she knew yeah she knew who it was yeah so yeah she's adorable and her and Archie are in love that's good which is cute and Archie's ass is getting so big because he's finally like growing a little bit more again yeah he kind of got long there for a second but now he's filling out because it's you know it's winter so put on that winter weight and that's what you missed on glee yeah (laughs) so okay okay shall we get into it i think we shall okay so okay wait wait, wait. i do actually want to ask real quick before we get into this because i know we have some deaths related it's tangentially related to this have you been watching rings of power okay unpopular opinion i have not been watching it i've been sleeping to it (laughs) i don't know so much that that's an opinion as it is an action yeah so (laughs) so milo has been watching it and i um i'm in the room but i'm not really paying attention um Mm -hmm. it it's visually beautiful yeah it's got the budget of you know whatever it's yeah it's insanely well made um um but my milo's kind of like oh there's just like a lot of talking and there is yeah so it's just like the pacing is just kind of a little off i do remember uh something about it which was every single time you're in a scene with like people and then they like leave it the scene on a cliffhanger and then they move to the next scene like that was like almost too much like I was just like well that's annoying every single time you like switch a scene you're like oh they're like writing it like an Amazon show instead of like a um like like a Lord of the Rings like a Tolkien yeah yeah I did read a rumor that Amazon was gonna basically demote those writers or those showrunners so not pull them from the project fully but like demote them and bring on somebody new because of all of the complaints about stuff like that oh really yeah yeah because yeah you're definitely not the first one to have said that and I will say that like the first half of the season was definitely a labor of love yeah like for some of the storylines I was okay so like Elrond and Durin so Elrond's whole storyline I liked the plot that was going on Mm -hmm. but it was happening so slow and then for like Galadriel and then later meeting up with Hallbrand I liked them as characters but I was kind of like what's like what are they doing yeah and so for like one storyline I was paying attention just because I liked the characters 
And then the other one I was paying attention because yes, I like the characters, but also I'm more curious about the plot right here. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they had to have been conscious of that because that's why they like jumble it so much. Yeah. And I do think for too long, it's unclear how the stories are connected. I don't mean like the big reveal about Hallbrand and his actual connection to the Southlands, but like the action that happened in the Southlands felt just very disconnected up until the very end yeah you know like i feel like we spent too long establishing each thread before they got tied together yeah exactly it did feel very you felt kind of lost you're like why why am i watching this i did find the dwarves really cool yes and also that's cause of doom yes it's so sad. I know. And cause then we, cause then like, um, after Milo finished it, we started watching like the Lord of the Rings and then it got to that part in Moria. And I was just like this, cause I remember I'm like, oh my God, this music, <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, when they're like, when they're like looking at the whole like big hall and stuff. And I was like, it was really cool because so unfortunately the show lord of the movies and the books lord of the rings well the movies don't give you a lot of dwarf you have gimli gimli is your representation of all of the race of dwarves Mm -hmm. you know and so when they go to moria you kind of see this like tomb essentially but you don't really get to know dwarves now then the hobbit movies you get to see dwarves but it's a much more like whimsical like representation and so this was actually did what i thought did really well was like kind of bridge that gap of Mm -hmm. like here's like because gimli was like a huge like comedic like part of lord of the rings yeah and that was also a representation of dwarves but they were also like like staunch and like incredibly yeah talented and so here you are in this hall with I, i forget his name and during power yeah during yeah. and like it, that was just really cool so it was like this like fun mix of like fun and also like um i don't know clever I don't, i'm not looking yeah. for the right word but like you know stalwart you stalwart yes like um yeah. i fully agree and i think part of that is because like by the time we get to the hobbit and the lord of the rings the dwarves are like on their decline mm-hmm. we've entered the yeah. age of man and so i can't imagine that they live that much longer after yeah and so i think part of the reason that like Kaza doom looks the way that it does in uh lord of the rings is because it's it's very much like this is this was the the peak of dwarven infrastructure and yeah society and it's nothing now yeah and so yeah i think it is nice to see that one because the dwarves are awesome and then two because we really get to see how far they fell yeah 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 i would definitely agree with your yeah i mean and that is that is the only two cents i have to say about it because i like didn't really really watch it so yeah i don't feel like i can make that big of an opinion but based off of what milo thinks and the scenes that i saw of like the dwarves and stuff was really cool yeah but you're you're in love 
Yeah. <laughs> With Sauron. <laughs> um from this specific fan fiction, yes, I yes. am. So <laughs> I, I just it. had to think about the show as fan fiction before yeah. I could settle with myself yeah i've rewatched the scene where it's like revealed because i was like maybe i was just so lost in his eyes that i saw it as more sexual than it was right but no it's like it looks like she's about to say yes it looks like she wants to say yes yeah and that's not just me so (laughs) so, (laughs) that's fun um it was great, you know, for my whole perception of good and evil in the world. Yes. No, but I will say that I, I spent like a good few days having to come to terms with that because Lord of the Rings has really always been this very easy, like good versus evil, black and yeah. white thing that you can watch. Like in the real world is where things get blurry. But here we've got like Aragorn redeeming himself. We've got Gandalf uh reaching the status of the white wizard we've got sam stepping up and like it's a very clearly defined lines of who's heroes and who isn't yeah and in more ways than just like sauron and making us horny for sauron this show is is changing that yeah and that's what i had to come to terms with so yeah it is kind of an (laughs) it was like a two or three day existential crisis yeah yeah you're like <laughs> trying to like come to terms with it. I feel yeah. like there is this thing happening in culture and art, which is, you know, the Joker. You know, we're all watching what made the bad guy bad. Yeah. You know, and I feel like that's, I've, you know, you're when you were like, it's all about Sar- Sauron, like the rings of power. And I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like, that's interesting that, like, yeah, you like kind of, like, start, you you go backwards because you want to know how the bad got bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, like, it's this, like, answer that we need. More villains are getting to be understandable. Yeah. And. It's a good word for that. Yeah. And, like, I don't. Not redeemed, but. Yeah, exactly. Not redeemed, but we're, mm-hmm. we're seeing that they're human. And on the one hand, I think that's, like, a great message to be sending. Because it's very easy to, like, like, when we're talking about politics again, it's just, it's the elections right now, so of course, like, it's on the mind, but, like, people love to throw around, like, really vicious names, like, oh, they're like Hitler, or, or this person is, like, the next whatever dictator or evil person, or this person's, like, Voldemort, or shit like that. And it's, like, on the one hand, whatever. But also, I feel like that really dehumanizes these people mm-hmm. and, like, helps you, or like, makes people in in a way, like, detach from the fact that they're a normal person. 10, 15 years ago, when they wanted to get into to politics, they probably were just as, like, hopeful and, and, like, I guess, like, positive is the word that I would use for this. Like, I look at AOC. And honestly, it's a miracle that she hasn't already been corrupted. Yeah. And that's not a comment on her, but a comment on, like, the way that politics functions. Yeah. And so I think it's it's nice that our movies are doing this now. Because when you create a villain who's also human, 
it's a nice reminder that like they're not all a Voldemort they're not all like the proverbial devil in these stories even the devil has had stories where we hear his side yeah paradise lost like it's it is better when we have stories like this (laughs) but it was very jarring for me yeah that doesn't mean it wasn't good or like it or like it was like a bad path for the story to take right I don't know how much of that actually connected but in my brain it did okay okay sometimes I feel like I'm just like prattling off so no you're good you're doing it okay thank you no I love it yes okay so officially starting the episode yes yeah of course well, we got to catch up. We got to see what what's out in yeah, the world. Exactly. You know exactly. We had so many shows and so many things happened. I know because the House of the Dragon or whatever is supposed to be good. You've seen it was it, but I have so good. Yeah, I have always been a staunch supporters of the Starks. I might but now. I know. I I don't. So I've been avoiding all of like the. I guess you can't really say spoilers because it's based off a book that was published so long ago. But I'm really hoping that the Starks support the Targaryens because if not, I emotionally I can't handle that after Sauron. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm already divided in my brain. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll gotta we'll have to watch that one next. Mm-hmm. Okay. So some first thoughts about death scenes that we we have kind of a list that we've come up of like specific death scenes that have like stuck out to us or that made a huge impact on us um i would say a good one to start with is our blessed victor yes because that was like one of the first times i like cried in a book like ugly cried um and i remember like Milo was like sitting next to me and I was like don't look at me (laughs) and I was just sat there and I just like cried because it was just so it was so emotional and it was like the way it was written like Armin Trout has this interesting way of writing that I've talked to other people who've read her books now and I'm like and I'm still kind of trying to put my fingers on it, but she has this mm-hmm. way of writing that's not, ex- it's not like explicit. It's more, it's like implicit. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. it's happening. She really knows how to guide you. Yes. To where she's trying to get. Yeah. It's not like this happened, this happened, this happened. And it's not. And then, and then I felt this and then this was this, like, it's not so internal and it's not so external. Mm -hmm. or objective subjective like it's very um it it feels like you're kind of experiencing experiencing it inside out if that makes sense Mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting um and so when she so when it happens it cuts you like oh yeah the like victor's death because her relation poppy's relationship with victor is her only relationship with any man that's like good 
Um, and Tawny even isn't that like close of a person. So Poppy really has no one except for Victor. Yeah. Victor is the only one that she can be honest with in the way that she needs to be at that point. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't totally see what you're saying about her writing because like the scene she doesn't really explicitly say anything about like the way that because it's all poppy's point of view Mm -hmm. and so all we get really is like what victor is doing at the very end Mm -hmm. which is like he's struggling the last words that he says the moment like he stops breathing and just based on what we know from poppy we know how like desperate he was in those final moments you know yeah Yeah. and that's one of the reasons that one hurts so much yeah arguably his death is what sets off the chain of events because yes she was already falling for hawk and everything but if victor were still alive she would not have gone along with everything that happened afterwards right and she kind of inadvertently admit because in the entire second book she's like wishing he was there yeah so yeah he definitely lived on in that way yes because the didn't he have like the dagger yes he gave her the dagger yeah but we don't really know how and what the chain of events was all we know so far is that it was the little sister of Oh, shoot. It's one of the Wolven who... His name starts with a D, I want to say. Uh, Beckett? No, D. I know who you're talking about, though. Yes. So it's his little sister. So we know that's... We know how it was made now. Right. Um, But also... Our suspicions... Okay, so remember in A Shadow in the Ember, where we find out about the victors... And we're like, oh my god, what if Victor was a Victor? <laughs> yeah. Yep. He's confirmed. Yeah. Yes. And based on some of the snippets that she's been releasing, Armor Child, and yeah. like her promo for this, which I need to buy those books. Okay. Um, she, he likely remembers everything. So the entire time that he was raising Poppy, he knew who she was. Oh. Damn. Yeah. And so it wasn't just, like, the girl that he raised, but the granddaughter of, like, the woman he's, I'm assuming, going to help protect. Yeah. So. <gasps> yeah. Victor. Victor. So in case we wanted to add another layer of sadness yeah. to that, that's where it is. There it is. So. Yep. All right. What's uh, what's the next death we have to talk about? Um. Okay. So, like, how would you... Okay, so two questions. One, kind of unrelated to that, but semi-related. Do you prefer or do you have, like, opinions about regarding to, like, deaths that are random in books versus deaths that seem to serve a purpose? So, like, Victor's death served a purpose. Ansel, I would say, is next on the list. Ansel's death served a purpose. This kind of like the the death that sets off the hero. Well, I think I think all deaths have a 
purpose if the writing is good. So the idea then would be what kind of purpose or like if it sets off a chain of events or what is at stake, right? I would argue that not all deaths serve a purpose. Okay. Which which ones? I sometimes Mm -hmm. like that, but like, I, I guess I would say that like, so it's not necessarily that, so some deaths don't push the plot forward, I should say. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like if they serve like a plot purpose versus like a symbolism purpose, which is debatable whether some do and whether it was intentional. Oh, okay. But like plot, like they're the purpose being like driving somebody forward versus like driving the plot forward. It can drive a character forward. Right. But like had this death not happened, further events wouldn't have happened the way that they did, you know? Right. So like Harry Potter deaths, arguably not every one of them serves a plot purpose, but they all seem to kind of have this like symbolism around them. Uh huh. So like, uh, Dobby dying. Mm-hmm. It didn't really push the plot forward because Dobby's death or living would not have done anything further, but like kind of showing like the death of innocence during war, you know? Yeah. I I mean I I tech I would say that I probably prefer deaths that have a purpose. Mm-hmm. But I I can appreciate when death happens because it is I don't want to say realistic but mm-hmm. that shows that there is a stake. Yeah. Like yes. that it yeah. that it isn't just like oh everyone's fine all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like a serpent and dove like I, I've mentioned this before, like had kind of a feeling of like they're just hanging on by a thread. Mm-hmm. Um, not that like deaths played a role in that, but like that's kind of what mm-hmm. death can do is make you feel like, oh, like not everything's just like, you know, because in mm-hmm. fantasy you kind of have different spectrums of like how safe everyone is versus how like, yeah stark everything is you know especially like even though Ansel's death was very like it was a plot point Mm -hmm. it did add to those stakes yeah um I do think I kind of prefer the ones that don't push the plot forward Mm -hmm. unless it's done like I liked Victor's because I do also think that she needed to not have him there right and there's no other way he wouldn't have been with her. Right. No other way in a million years. Yeah. Um. But there's also, I think it's a little bit of like the the plot point deaths can you can feel them coming because it'll be like they'll be making plans for the future and the scene before or when we get back, don't say yeah. that now, like that shit, and you're like would you shut up shut up like stop but when it's those really really random ones like Hedwig dying where it was just like Hedwig flew over to like help that was the first time as a kid that I was like shit (laughs) yeah 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 um so even in the Percy Jackson books 
in the original series the deaths i don't want to say were like predictable but they kind of like had a very like like subconsciously or unconsciously followable pattern right and so there'd be like little hints and so little me could figure it out but then in the latest series trials of apollo one of the main characters from a previous series in this universe he was helping them and so the others are escaping and they look back and they watch as this like what was a main character in one of the previous books a son of jupiter and like a very valiant fighter is killed and then apollo even though it's not really like a plot point that drives the plot anywhere a plot apollo then has to like cope with the fact that he was kind of directly responsible for this right and so that's one of those ones that i would say probably is plot driven but it's not so much that like every action that he takes afterwards is driven by this one action like it was with poppy and victor or uh lou and and ansel Uh but generally he wants to like be a better person because he's like i should have been able to prevent that yeah, I because I, I think I've mentioned this this series before, but the whole series is about Apollo having to like become a better person. He's kind yeah. of become this asshole. He's terrible. And so that was the first moment when he's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Consequences and actions. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I like I think I like plot driven when it's subtler. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's also kind of an easy yeah like solution to like move a plot forward or like a big um trying kind of trying to get um like a uh reactions like a get the game yeah. of thrones thing you know yes yes um, like but don't it's trust like the weddings don't trust, yeah, yeah like it's it, it seems like that it's it seems like an easy like way to move a plot forward it's like ooh, I yeah kill them up or like a what, what shock factor that's what i'm trying to say yes um, but yeah, so I think if it's more subtle or tertiary, tertiary, like, yeah, rather than like the focal point of like the plot, it could be a little bit more interesting. Yeah. And I think too, part of my like hesitation with that goes back to the, um, I don't know if there's like a word for this, but it's kind of like brought up in feminist conversations about fiction Mm-hmm. I think it's related to like the refrigerator theory which is that if the if the woman in the scene can be replaced by a refrigerator and nothing changes then yeah. it's not actually like you, you don't, then you don't have a woman in your scene yeah and so the kind of like related point to that is killing off women to push the plot forward because it like draws the the emotions even if it's not the shock. So like Marvel did that with their Infinity War endgame duology. Right. So in the first one to get the soul stone, they killed off Gamora, who was like the kind of the the glue of the Guardians of the Galaxy group. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, of course, the, the group is so sad about this. And then they did it again in Endgame with Black Widow, who was the glue for the Avengers. Right. She was the reason that they that they even all stayed in contact by that point. So then it's the drive that they need to do what they need to do to defeat Thanos, you know? Yeah. Which is like 
can we stop sacrificing women for the plot? Yeah. But I don't think every instance is like that. Now more and more we're seeing that isn't the case. Now we're using twinks like Ansel and Sale. So. Yeah. <laughs> there is um there is a there was okay. So in Throne of Glass, there was a lot of backlash that Moss got in the second book. He has Queen Crown of Midnight. Oh, what's her name? I have to look up her name really quick. But okay. she is um a princess of another land. Ooh. Um, and she's a woman of color. And she gets spoiler alert killed off and a lot of people didn't like that um from what i've seen of throwing glass there also aren't that many people of color right book okay yeah um so that being said that's like kind of one instance um and i do think she has probably learned from that <laughs> that yeah, was, I was gonna like say, I feel her like, first series <laughs> i feel like akatar is like definitely diverse and then i would say crescent city less so right but she also makes up for it i guess i can't really say makes up for it but she has more diverse creatures in crescent city mm. and so i feel like we don't really get their like race very often right and so any implied or imposed lack of diversity might also just be my brain's default and not filling in where it is actually relevant. Nehemia, that's her name. She yeah. was badass because she was like a fighter and she was gorgeous and she was really like clever. She was like a really good character and then they like killed her off. And like the idea was that she they killed her off to move Aelin, like Aelin forward yeah you know yeah like um, that was the purpose of the death which i think a lot of people weren't like happy with like, like it wasn't like a wise plot. structurally yeah like there wasn't yeah. like any other like not that i mean i haven't read the next books maybe there's yeah. more to it but anyways yeah that's like kind of an example of that i guess um it does remind me if we're kind of stepping away from like the gender issue with it and looking a little bit at race to mm-hmm. another superhero one so sorry um okay. in one of the recent x-men where it was like in the past so i had james mcavoy they introduced a character who i love him his james mcavoy yeah he so the character is black and his power is supposed to be that his body immediately adapts to whatever threat is making him is like gonna kill him right to the point where like I know in some comics, his body is just full on teleported to a different space because whatever the threat was, couldn't. It was like, well, the best option is to just not, not be here. So we're going to teleport now. Right. Um, but in the movie, to kind of like show how powerful the villain is, they killed him. Right. And it's like, but his whole thing is that he can't die. Yeah. Then yeah, what you've sucks. just established is like, yeah, it's like, just kill off the one black guy first of all because yeah. x-men doesn't have that many it's got like storm you know yeah one um and then even though at the time i didn't really know who he was i was like that feels 
Like I didn't know kind of like some of the stuff that he'd done in the comics. And I was like, that doesn't feel right. Yeah. <laughs> that feels off. So yeah, yeah, I was like, either the woman or the person of color. The yeah. person of color who's better at the person better at the main that better than the main character at their job. Yeah. Has to be killed off to show how scrappy they are so they can rise to the occasion. Yeah. 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 So. So I do think, yes, so just kind of going back to that original question. I do think that deaths to push a plot forward aren't always inherently bad. Right. I just don't want people to be lazy with it, you know? Yeah, like, I want it to... Late, yeah. Don't want... I Well thought out. Yeah. Sometimes it reminds me of, like, the pregnancy trope. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes the pregnancy trope is whatever. Yeah. It's not a trope if it's just happening. But when it's used as a plot point, then it's a trope. Yeah. Then it's like, well, this feels icky. Yeah. Um, A few deaths that we've got in here are from Lord of the Rings. And I do feel like they fall under that, like, well-done, plot-driven deaths. Absolutely. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about one of yours first. Yeah, so... um. Like, um, like I mentioned earlier, Milo and I have started watching Lord of the Rings again. Um, main mostly high, so everything has like a new sheen over yeah. it because we've seen the movie so many times. Um, but the Boromir's death is like so much more. Like I was, I was telling, or Milo and I were talking about it last night, how much. Like, how everyone shits on Boromir. Like, everyone hates him. And I'm like, they're racist against humans. Because <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally, <laughs> like, literally, Aragorn was like, I wouldn't take that ring within, a, like, a thousand leagues of that city. Because he doesn't trust men. You know? Yeah. And I'm like, poor Boromir. He's just like, but what if we can use this now? <laughs> I mean, he's we know he's wrong, but no one's yeah. actually really explaining it to him. Exactly. Yes. Like, no one's actually being like, that's a bad idea and here's why. Yeah. Like, everyone's like, shut up. Just yeah. sit down. Like, sit down shut now. Shut up, steward son. Go to bed. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Steward son. Yeah. Shouldn't you have died already, human? Like, Yeah. Yeah. I guess just realizing, too, it's right after Gandalf dies. <laughs> Another yeah. death. And they're all like coming out of the mines and they go to, um, they go to Lothlorien and there's that kind of scene where Galadriel's like talking in everyone's heads and they're all looking at Frodo in like this doubt. And like, that's when like things start crumbling, like, because Gandalf's dead, like their hope is dead. Yeah. Um, and now it's like up to Frodo and I'm like why does everyone hate Frodo but it's like that's kind of where it starts breaking and what I love is that even after that Boromir saves the hobbits yeah like he could have just run off he could have stolen the ring very easily he very easily and just run off and so he as much as he was the one that was like let's do it like he he was the i guess i think the least um i think he made like 
a more clear decision like he didn't okay. just say no like he like I feel like he really thought... really struggled and we don't give him credit for that yes yes um and I didn't really think that until I saw the deleted scene between like where it shows the past where it's like him and Faramir and their dad mm-hmm. and Boromir's not a bad guy no so like if we want to look at the timeline real quick they call some of the men to uh elrond's house and at this meeting they present a very powerful ring the lore of which has been muddled through three thousand years since it's like making and they belittle him at the meeting Mm mm-hmm and in the books, it's even, like, a little bit more. Like, he asks questions at the dinner. And they just kind of, like, they're like, you small child. Because, you know, Aragorn's, like, 80 Your something. sweet summer child. Yeah, basically. They're like, oh, you're so young. That's true, because he probably is really, he is really he, young. Yeah, he is. He yeah. is. But, like, also, I he's older than that. us, or he's about the same age as we are, technically. So if somebody said that to me, regardless of how old they are, yeah, I'd be mad, too. Yeah. So, they, like, he gets belittled at first. And then he's, like, having a power struggle with everybody anyway because everyone else is having a power struggle with each other, too, because they all want to be the top dog next to Gandalf. And then the ring is talking to you the whole time. I'm sure it was very hard after a while to tell his own part with, like, thoughts away from what the ring was telling him. Right. Because that's how, how the ring gets you. Like, it targets one person. Yeah. And then it goes from there. Yeah. Especially like the scene between Smeagol and Deagle. Mm-hmm. Because they're like best friends. It's already like, it's, I mean, it's like a five, three to five minute scene. And you can see that they're best friends. They're spending the birthday together. It's a, it's a great day. They're fishing together. How fun. They search for each other on the water after like the one falls over. And then he kills him. Yeah. That's, not like that's power basically yeah like people people like to ignore the fact that the ring is super powerful yeah so hashtag boromir rights like yeah seriously so all hail bor king boromir steward steward yeah steward boromir (laughs) um yeah yeah but his death and gandalf's death are definitely like a one-two punch Mm-hmm. I think Gandalf's death drives, like you said, like the end of the fellowship. Like that's when the, the cracks start to show. Yeah. But Boromir's death is the reason that Frodo and Sam go on their own. Yeah. Yep. Because one, because Boromir is their link to Minas Tirith if they ever yeah. needed to go to Gondor. So they're yep. like, well, that's out of the window now. Yeah. Yeah. What what are they gonna do with two hobbits? They're they're so like um um vulnerable. Yeah. So they have to kind of go like incognito, like through the mountains. Yeah. But it's also their connection to him that saves them from Fort Faramir. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Because it was after Faramir realizes because just then- how powerful the ring is that he's like, Oh, yeah. Probably telling the truth and about then, my brother. Well, and then Sam Sam and Frodo get to tell him about his Mm-hmm. his uh brother's death yep. um Boromir's death lives on or Boromir lives on 
Yeah. He helps them. Yeah. Even in his death. Yeah. Boromir is the savior. Well, speaking of saviors, we do have a little subsection here. Yes. About Christ. People who die and are reborn. Yeah. Christ figures. Yes. Um, which I would argue, not with you, just generally, because yes. we already talked about this a little bit, is that it even predates Christ. Like, mm-hmm. there's stories in multiple religions in Egypt, Mesopotamia, Greek, Roman, uh, Slavic culture, where there's a resurrection. Yeah. And they all, I wouldn't say all of them, actually, because, like, Gandalf isn't the chosen one. No. But they all show somebody of, like, immense power. So just based on our list here. So feel free to argue with us in our DM. Well, argue lightly in our DMs with us. Yeah, where we've got Gandalf. (laughs) We've got Harry Potter, who's... So Gandalf became the White Wizard. Mm -hmm. And he earned that shit. He defeated a Balrog. Harry Potter was powerful in his own right because he came from a long line of powerful wizards plus his mom who was a known very uh like adept wizard Mm -hmm. but also it's kind of unclear whether some of his abilities and his power comes from the fact that he's got that connection to Voldemort yeah or if it's just that they uh they are Juniper was the most scrappy and powerful of the three sisters and so like from one from the once and future witches (laughs) yes thank you from the once and future witches i would say hers is less of a traditional resurrection yeah because she's still like she's still like pinned somewhere like she yeah they like completely free bound her soul to the tower yeah and so she can't even fully die but she did die she knows that her body like died but her soul yeah. is just more active than normal. Yeah. Um, Feyre, same thing, where she is the high lady of Night Court. And so it does kind of bring into question like this, the, the role of fate in their world. Mm-hmm. Because she wasn't necessarily powerful before. She was powerful after she died. And each of the High Lords gave a little bit of their power to her. Yeah. But I would say also that that one so like Akatar and crescent city really feel like they're alluding to like definitely this question of fate because like, you've got mates right you've got this connection and this timing that feels all too perfect yes and i like when it's like when it falls together and not when it's forced and it feels like the moss universe is falling together you know yeah um but okay, so you said this one, and this is one of my favorite ones, especially given the like conversation that I'm kind of going on right now. But Gurgi from the Black Cauldron, yes, because his power wasn't in a power like the Bard or like the Magic Pig or anything. It was just his love for his friends. Yes, and it was powerful enough that sacrificing himself <gasps> meant that he was allowed to come back. Lahaba. Oh. That's literally the same character almost because she it says, is, yeah. She says, I, I'm, I, 
my friends are with me and I'm not afraid. Yes. Yep. Don't cry. Okay. Suck the tears back in. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, this happens. This happened before. And I just remembered Lahaba. We didn't mention her, but I yeah. would say that her death was closer to like Gandalf's death. Yeah. Where it breaks the characters and they fall apart for a minute. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um okay, when she doesn't come back. Yeah, and she doesn't so yeah, she doesn't come back. So it's a little bit different from, yes. from those. But yeah, for sure, like uh um quick tangent though about Gertie. Yes. Um, so I remember I watched it, you know, and I get really high and watch things apparently yeah. because I got I remember being like messaging you and being like, Oh my gosh, Gergi is Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because and I said, okay, I, I remember I have, I was like, I have, um, I have a theory that in Akatar, <laughs> the, um, the plot cannot, like, they cannot defeat evil without destroying the cauldron, like yep. in the cauldron. There were so the reading way, it at the time. The only way that they can do that is if someone voluntarily goes in for the right reasons yep. and it's going to be gurgy and they're going to be g Je- they're going to be like jesus because he's going to die and then come back to yep. life yep <laughs> um i remember because that's kind of when we started book club yeah and i was watching it and i was thinking this feels like this is too much right now yeah <laughs> like is this so and connected to Akatar. And she took a lot of inspiration from the Black Cauldron. She mentions that Sarah J. Moss. Does so she like, really? Yeah. So it makes okay. sense that like Okay, yeah. Um, I actually didn't know that. That makes total sense. Yeah. Um and then one I think you just added is Jon Snow, and that's also true. Yeah. He is the prince that was promised. Yeah. He is the prophesied one. And so yeah. he might not have powers like the others, but he's a Targaryen and Targaryens are powerful in their own right. Yeah. Um, but just to mention kind of like the reason I would argue this definitely predates Christ, which I feel like it's not even yes. an argue at this point is just like the facts is you got character like figures like Hercules who was kind of deified after his death. Mm-hmm. It's unclear whether he becomes like a full on God or if he's more just like a lesser spirit that doesn't necessarily go into death. Um, then you've got Inanna from Mesopotamia and Osiris from Egypt. Um, right. All figures who perish and then return from the dead. Right. Just also like the the story of Persephone. So she doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. die, but she has that same motion of entering the underworld. Underworlds and being able to and come then out. return. Yeah. Yes. Yep. I know um, that from a touch of darkness. <laughs> yeah, very accurate to historical uh, uh, retellings. Yes. Yes. Um, so yeah, so there's like definitely in okay. So I do kind of ascribe to like the Jungian notion of archetypes yes. and the human story, the thirty six faces, um, and we obviously love characters that can transcend life in one form mm-hmm. or at least tra- like 
subvert death in the way that we know it. Yeah. So like Juniper doesn't necessarily like let's say Juniper or Hercules aren't necessarily reborn in the way or even Christ they aren't reborn in the way that some of these other ones are but they subvert death as we know it. Yes. They avoid that like what's next and they have this kind of liminal in between existence mm-hmm. based on like our perception of life and death. Yeah. We love that shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we keep throwing it in other things. Yes. And I will say I love that shit. Yeah. I I I get I get not wanting people to stay dead. Or no, sorry, I get wanting people to stay dead. Because it can get thrown around really easily. Mm-hmm. There was something that we watched. Not we specifically. I think I mean collectively. Because <laughs> I yeah. just remember people on the internet talking about like, oh, they'll just bring them back. It's fine. Yeah. It might have been Jon Snow. Yeah, because I remember it um, either the season or I think the season had ended. Yeah. With his death. And it was to, and at that point in the series, we already know that people die, you know, like they had already established, like there's always going to be someone that dies. Um, but Jon Snow was too integral to everything. Like he had already been established as like, yeah, kind of this chosen one. And so it didn't feel right. Like it didn't even feel right for like Game of Thrones yeah so i think a lot of people had an issue with that and then there was like more like mystical magical things going on that we were like okay like maybe something could happen you know we're like this still is a fantasy (laughs) you know like like, (laughs) yeah i feel like it was game of thrones i i don't know if it was Jon snow though but i remember it was like something big where the character just kept coming back oh okay yeah, it was like I want to say it was like by the third time or something, and they were like, "I don't really care anymore. Like the deaths don't mean anything yeah. anymore because it. I don't know. Maybe it was Game of Thrones. Maybe it was John. I can't remember now. But, huh. but yeah. So it's one of those things again that should be used smartly. Yes. But, um. See, I think that's an interesting. That's a fun part of like death stuff. Yeah is the resurrection because i think there's also a weight to it you know Mm -hmm. and that and that it's a bit more like it's a bit more philosophical it's not just a oh people's life like sometimes we end it's like no like why why is this person being chosen and what is what are they like serving afterwards and how Mm -hmm. um because i do think that can reveal a lot about like what kind of world where you're reading yeah you know is like what happens after you die um that we don't really get to see in every book and so i feel like that kind of shows like this other like side like kind of beyond earth side <laughs> yeah 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 um I keep thinking back to Juniper because Juniper's world was so like ours. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it really feels like like the reason she was able to be saved in their world is because she like, well, I think they all do. So they all kind of 
contain something that is necessary for the story still yeah so for like the 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 function of their universe right their their fictional universe and juniper just had fight she yeah. had the spark and so it's it almost feels like it's implying that as long as she lives at the tower witchcraft will live in their world you know right whereas like like for gandalf he had this uh this leadership that mm-hmm. was just kind of getting stoked when the fellowship got together but then he just like steps into those shoes he is the reason that Minas Tirith that Gondor came to to, to or called for Rohan yeah he's the reason Rohan got that assistance at Helm's Deep yeah and so after he comes back I hadn't really thought about that before but after he comes back he's fully stepped into this leadership role without hesitation yeah that's like what he had to provide and it's not so much like a second chance like you think it's going to be it's more of like a um rebirth literally yeah 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 which is scorpio season yeah well that's like we've got poppy and feyre on here that's exactly what happens to them like poppy and feyre well i think poppy technically dies because that's like what you need for a vampire transition right but both of them have to die more or less so that they can step into the like fantasy power that they are that that's like waiting for them basically yeah so yeah 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 i feel like we covered it most of them i know like we talked about the rebirth so much because it's a it's such an interesting it's it's a it's an unavoidable part of fantasy, I think, because yeah. that is what yeah. fantasy is. Not even mm-hmm. like science fiction really has that unless it's like. Science, science. fiction is like Frankenstein. Yeah. Like if, it, if there's a rebirth in science fiction, it's like an ethical question. Yeah. But in fantasy, it's a, it's a, it's a spiritual. Yes. It's thing. very spiritual. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm kind of looking through some of the other deaths that we had listed down here. Yes. So there's a couple of like sacrifices. So we've got Holland oh, yeah. from Darker Shades and then Cormac yes. from Crescent City. And I think that as much as I hate them, I love the sacrifice. There's I something do too. so noble. Something so noble about it. Well, because it is the it's the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah. It shows um it shows the the extent to which people live yeah that like that they would die for you and there's always something like my voice cracked there so (laughs) i gotta step forward carefully um (laughs) there's always a specific reasoning behind their sacrifice Mm -hmm. that like breaks you so for like holland it was because there was still that shred of hope left in him for what the world could be Whereas for Cormac, it was because without his love, yeah, he didn't care, yeah, to uh, to see the world in the future. He wanted to help. He so he was like, "I'll just do this." But yeah, when we win, I don't care what happens afterwards because I won't have her. Yeah, and like that's sad. Like shit, like that is sad. Yeah, that hits different because because you're right. It's like the ultimate sacrifice that they can make. It shows the extent of their beliefs. 
or their 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 motivations you know yeah yeah because that's living yeah no it is it is yeah so it can kind of i feel like people who those who sacrificed lived the most i think yeah yeah and i mean that's why we read fiction Mm -hmm. because we try to step into these other shoes we want to experience more lives than we can live Mm -hmm. and i think seeing somebody that love something or someone that much it hits you know yeah i mean we just read new moon yeah and granted it has it's it's uh problems but that's what like people want to read about it's like what what like literally what hill are you willing to die on yes yes what what yeah mm-hmm. yeah if it's yeah. like Leaba who sacrificed herself for her friends, yeah, that is the hill she's willing to die on. She's willing to sacrifice her freedom to save her friends. Well, and, and even Boromir, um, giving up his doubt, yeah, because I think a lot of his um, weakness was because of his um, doubt for the human race mm-hmm. um he he was always about he was always about like oh like gondor this and gondor that and how great it is and it's almost like if you have to say it like you are trying really hard um yeah. because think about coming from the coming from like the human race in middle earth and like the elves are fine Oh yeah, they're doing great. The, As the, always. the dwarves are keeping to themselves and the men are just like trying to find like some some way to like contri- you know to be like and I think Boromir then coming to this council full of like all these different races really you you really are like having to kind of like fight for what you are and so there's a lot of I feel like there's a lot of doubt in a sport and of course Denethor Ugh. didn't like wasn't like a great dad <laughs> yeah um and so when and so when he decides to uh fight to his death to save the hobbits he's also like giving up his um i think sorry i think a lot of the reason why he was going towards the ring so much or was he was so susceptible to it was because of that doubt yeah because he was like i need like uh humans need help <laughs> and yeah and so he was desperate and fed yeah and so i yeah. think part of that too was also giving giving up his um pride of his like homeland and mm-hmm. his race to like i guess say anyways no i feel that I just realized that now. <laughs> um, I thought that was And then I would also argue that his growing fondness of Mary and Pippin, Mary and Pippin was also like this almost like necessary reparenting of himself. Yeah. Because he saw these creatures that were lesser than him in his own perception. Mm-hmm. Even though there's like weird hints that the hobbits are actually kind of super powerful. Yeah. Um, but they're short, 
they don't know how to fight with swords they're childlike and they're childlike exactly and like he sees them become brave he sees Mm -hmm. that moment that frodo steps back and he knows that frodo is being braver than he is and i think that's really necessary to his like that is the moment where he really sees where he went wrong yeah in his in his thinking yeah when like the hobbit who is wearing the ring is kind of thinking more clearly in that moment than he is mm-hmm. yeah. so yeah i mean the problem with boromir too is that his descent is really supposed to show how easily the ring is like mm-hmm. or can take over somebody's mental capacities mm-hmm. and so it sucks that it's him yeah but it also makes sense that it's him yeah because he's coming from this position like you said this like lower position than the other creatures the other beings there yeah and he's had a really shitty father who's instilled some really like unfortunate thought processes into him and mm-hmm. he's kind of got like a chip on his shoulder for both of those reasons and that's hard you know yeah um yeah yeah I feel like after Rings of Power, everything's like, my whole consciousness is on like Lord of the Rings now. And how long has it been to, was it 2001 it came out? Yeah. So it's been 20 years. Fuck. Oh my God, I'm so old. (laughs) I was like 12 when it came out. Um. Yeah, so <laughs> I was six. We're old. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like I love, I love like revisiting it because it's so it it's hitting different. It's not. It's so timeless. Like yeah. And I remember like watching it because we'll watch it every like periodically, and we'll be like, oh wow, that's like really dated, or like oh yeah, like that part or that part. But then it like becomes such an icon and then you're like this is and then like um it was the moment where I was like holy shit like this is such an iconic moment where Gandalf puts his staff down and says you shall not pass like yes it's like a fucking it's like surpassed meme it's like it's well like that's like it's, it's so pivotal and like <laughs> it's such a powerful moment like that's kind yeah. of part of the reason it became a meme too is yeah because there's nothing else that can sum up the the prowess in that yeah. entire moment yeah yeah but anyways i mean we could talk yeah. about lord of the rings <laughs> we know so we, we, have. Have. we have <laughs> yes um okay 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 but yeah, so um death. So that was <laughs> <laughs> it gives me a little bit like left left of where I expected it to go. Yeah. This, this was actually a really a much more I mean, I knew it was gonna be like a really fun and interesting episode, but it like yeah was it it really um delivered. Yeah. I feel like and I don't know if I so we had kind of talked about this being a uh, a series on scenes yeah but i feel like we talked more about it as a theme yeah 
so which I kind of like should be yeah I yeah like yeah that. like different bed with, but I think it still um, fits for what we have yeah yeah so okay yeah because well. we kind of want to talk about um like love scenes yes we want to talk about um fight scenes fight and betrayals and betrayals and then, and then also revenge. like revenge yeah so yes. those will be fun potential definite topics that we will be talking about this season yes i'm so excited yeah um but yeah i think so what are we reading next week next week we will be reading gleam gleam yes. definitely gleam not one of the yeah. other books in the show in the series not glint not we we nailed it this time we yes. said it right every single time yes so we are continuing the plate of prisoner series next yes. next week we will be reading talking about gleam by raven kennedy so so hopefully aaron and rip slash slash slade smash it. smash <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully they smash hopefully they smash they make up <laughs> and we get some actually really... like amazing sex and not yes. just you know rape yeah okay. yep <sighs> yes <laughs> yeah and enough saddles let's have some like consensual like much earned mm-hmm. loved lovely sex please consensual and sensual yes sex. yes yes absolutely so yeah. yeah join us next week yep until then happy reading Happy reading. Bye. Bye.